Hi, everyone, and welcome to the March 5th, 2021 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. My guest today is the former president and CEO of Mercedes-Benz Canada. He's currently the head of the Canadian Automobile Dealers Association. So we'll find out what it was like dealing with COVID-19 early on in this pandemic and what changes for dealers are here to stay as a result of the response to the virus. And what about inventory? When will that shortage end? And is now the right time for automakers to be asking their dealers to make costly upgrades? His answer is a blunt one. All that and more when I speak with Mr. Tim Royce on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. Tim, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Uh, Thanks for having me, Greg. Great to be on with you. My pleasure. Let's start here. Uh, Simply, what's the last year been like for you, your organization, and your members? Uh, it's been uh, quite interesting uh, uh, year, to say the least, uh, for for our dealer members. Um, it's it's a year I think uh, unlike any other in the in the situation that uh, you know our dealer members and we as association were facing us um, hasn't necessarily happened before, right? So there was there was uh, no playbook uh, to go to. Um, normally, you know, if you have an economic crisis or you have a market crisis or this or that, there, there's always sort of a playbook to go to, right? And I'm not so sure whether the playbook of 1818 would have... I was just going to say that. It's been 100 (laughs) years. You have nothing to look back on to get a sense of what you should do. So how difficult was that? Right. So we we basically had to write our own playbook, if you will. Now, uh, you know, we weren't alone in that. And uh, we were able to uh, get a lot of intelligence from our uh, colleagues around the world. Uh, let's remember that the, the pandemic really hit in Canada full blown in, in, in March of last year. But by that time, uh, there were certain jurisdictions around the world that, that were already dealing with this, uh, be it China, be it Italy, uh, you know, that in uh, Australia that, that had been dealing uh, with this for about a month or two, you know, before us. And so we were actually, um, Lucky that we were able to reach out to those to our colleagues in those countries and sort of you know get a little bit of of a sense of hey what is it that you're facing how are you going about it so there was a lot of there's a lot of communication going on on uh, on an international uh, scale also so it's not just the World Health Organization if you will that gets in touch uh, it's also car <laughs> associations around the world right. Well, did you ever think that you would be in a position where you'd have to call dealer associations or dealerships in, say, Italy or Spain just to see how to get through this or what they were doing? I mean, that must not be a common practice in your situation that you're calling other countries halfway around the world to find out how are you dealing with this particular issue? I would assume each market, for the most part, is is sort of its own and different and unique. But in this case, everyone was dealing with the same problem. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we we do reach out to to other associations on a regular basis, but more on you know longer term strategic issues, right? Right. Of uh, you know, where's the industry going? What's happening with EVs? Things of that nature, right? Uh, but but uh, not on a, on an almost weekly basis. Now, um, you know, we we have we have a team here that has you know strong ties with with uh, international people. I mean, Timothy Ryan on our team has has been working with NADA for years now and, and knows the. the colleagues also in the Chinese association. Um, I, for my uh, time and background, have a, a lot of contacts in Italy that I could talk to, right, to also get sure. sort of the, the take of on the ground of what's happening, right? So, and that was sort of uh, helpful in a way to to say, okay, the, uh, you can do something. It's not like, uh, you know, you freeze at, uh, at, uh, at the sight of, of what's coming, right? That there, there are certain things that you can, you can start doing. And uh, 
so that that sort of enabled us to start laying out, uh, you know, as I mentioned, our own our own playbook uh, of how we were going to approach this to together and for our our dealer members. So, what did you learn from the other associations that you implemented here, or maybe tweaked to make work in Canada? I just wonder what you gleaned from other organizations right. that you could use here. I, I think the, the the very first one, and and that was obviously also a priority from from day one, was was making sure that that uh, uh, our dealer members are, are classified as essential services, uh, that they uh, to to gather the arguments of of uh, how important dealerships are to keep the the actual infrastructure of a country running, uh, even during a pandemic. Uh, you know, packages need to be delivered, uh, parts need to be delivered, medicine needs to be delivered. Uh, Doctors and nurses need to be able to get to the hospital and uh, uh, in, in their cars, right? So to gather those arguments, I think was was extremely important, and and then also start elaborating uh, standards of of how to you know safely operate uh, uh, under in a pandemic, right? In, in a dealership, and to put those all of those arguments together, and that was sort of our, our first priority to to put those. Uh, arguments in front of government officials, be they federal or provincial, together with our provincial associations. Um, because Greg, I, you know, as you know, CADA, we're made up of also of, of our provincial associations. Right. And, and here, I'd like to just a, a big shout out to our to our colleagues in Quebec and, and Ontario uh, at CCAQ and TADA that did a great job with their with their provincial uh, health and safety officials uh, on that. Uh, so that was sort of our, our per- first priority to, to, to ensure that dealers, at least, you know, on the service side, uh, and then, uh, you know, by appointment and things of that nature, uh, were able to, to remain operational. Was it a tough sell to the governments to, um, get them to recognize dealers as essential services? I just wonder what that process was like. Um, it wasn't really a tough sell. What was, um, you know, difficult was actually, you know, you know, being able to get in touch with the right people sure, uh, yeah. during the, the during the first weeks to, for for the, the arguments to actually be heard in the sense of you know where is everybody you know the government itself obviously had to also go through their uh, adjustments as as people needed to start working remotely etc. So it was um, initially in the very first days you know the, the the more difficult part was was actually being able to to get in touch and and actually have a conversation. Uh, for more than five minutes with uh, a relevant uh, officials, be they on a provincial or a federal level. But uh, fortunately, once once you 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 laid out the arguments, it was very plainly clear, uh, you know how how dealers are 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 part of the essential infrastructure of a country to to keep it running. And and I have to say that that we approach it in a very cooperative way with uh, with government and health officials. And we put together the the health and safety guides uh, for dealers across the country of how to safely operate. And and once the the government officials saw that, I think there was a a much better understanding of okay, the, these guys don't just want to stay open, you know, to make a buck type of thing, but uh, you know they 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 need to remain open if we want to keep our country running, uh, even during a pandemic. Is are there any changes in the industry? made due to COVID-19 that you see sticking around long-term well after the virus is gone and we're all vaccinated? And if there are changes that stick around, what are they? Yeah, so that's a, that's a very good question, uh, uh, Greg. And, and it, it was actually the central theme of our CADA summit, which we just had uh, virtually <laughs> um, a couple of weeks ago. Is, is And we called it accelerating change. So the, the overall uh, sense that we got from all industry players is 
changes that were already underway uh, before the pandemic were accelerated during the pandemic. Um, so it was not necessarily that all of a sudden something new happened in the pandemic, but things that were already underway just got turbocharged. Like, I mean, for example, the whole digital transaction um, uh, things that that happened were already starting to happen uh, before the pandemic, but all of a sudden got hugely accelerated. We're also, uh, I mean, lending institutions that in the past were very reluctant to change some of their processes uh, also found themselves um, uh, under the gun, so to speak, to to uh, with the need to to immediately change. And lo and behold, within you know only a couple of weeks, all of a sudden ways were found of 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 uh, still remaining uh, uh, open for business in, in certain things, right? That were maybe not possible before. But it's not uh, a sort of new things that necessarily happen, but more you know things that accelerated. And to your question, those are still going to be around. Those are not going to go away. Yeah, the things that have been accelerated are now here to stay. Just they arrive sooner than probably most of us thought they would get here. Right, right, right. What What's the number one concern you hear from your members right now, today, a year into this thing, almost a year into this pandemic? What are they coming to you with the most? Uh, right now, top of mind, and this is very short term, is our emergency wage subsidy Um uh, situation, as you know, initially the, the uh, CU's uh, Canadian Emergency Weight Subsidy Program that was uh, implemented last year, it initially didn't include uh, uh, dealers just because of the the, the way um, uh, you know dealerships uh, account for for things in, in their balance sheet. So they they're not small and medium sized businesses when you look at it from from a, a balance sheet perspective, right? Because right. they they have to hold and and finance the the inventory. Um, so dealers were originally excluded. Uh, we were able, uh, also thanks to the support of all of our dealers across the country, to change that um, with the government so that dealers um, actually were able to access the emergency wage subsidy. Now, uh, throughout the crisis, uh, uh, about 90% of our members have accessed the emergency wage subsidy at some point in time. Okay, it doesn't mean that ninety percent have accessed it the whole time, right? Right, but you know, certain dealers might have accessed it for one period. That's always you know two months, or uh, some of them for a longer period of time. But ninety percent of our members. So, um, and that program has now been extended for the second time into the summer of this year. But we're in the beginning of March, and the rules of how it's going to be calculated from mid-March to the summer still have not been published uh, by the government, Greg. So. Uh, this is something that you know we're we're already starting March, right? And in two weeks, um, you know, March uh, period is is going to be calculated, and it's still not clear how uh, this is going to be done. Remember, emergency wage subsidy was calculated year over year comparison, right. W- right? Which you know, still in January and February of this year are okay, right? And if you have as a business a drop of more than X percent in your revenues, you are, you know, on a sliding scale, uh, able to access uh, subsidy by, by the government or support by the government. Uh, but once you get into March or April, if you now compare March, April 2021 versus March, April 2020, not a single or almost any single industry in Canada is going to qualify for that. So the government is keenly aware of this, but unfortunately they, they just, you know, haven't gotten around to to publishing this yet. So this is top of mind of all of our dealers. And, you know, I'm getting three, four 
calls almost an hour, right, from <laughs> from our members wanting to sure. know, hey, when is this coming out? You know, especially those that are currently qualifying for for SUs. Uh, and we've made we've made it very clear to the government. Uh, uh, you know, our proposal has been very simple: just take 2019 as a baseline, full stop. Right? That would be the easiest sure. way to calculate it. So, uh, so that's sort of top of mind right now. But that's very short term, and we expect here. You know, we're going to receive that from from the government fairly soon. And then, you know, sort of second topic that uh, we are uh, pushing very hard uh, with our government officials is that. Uh, now is not the time for new taxes. Um, you know, it's clear that at some point in time, uh, you know, governments, not just in Canada, but around the world, are going to have to start thinking about their own uh, fiscal households um, and uh, all the money that's being spent, and uh, rightly so, during the pandemic. And, and how are you going to make up for that, you know, fiscally? So uh, what we're trying to convey is that, you know, as the recovery of the market hasn't even started, now is not the time to think about any type of new taxes, be it, you know, across the board, HST, GST um, adjustment upwards, as uh, some are suggesting, or even more specifically targeted automotive taxes like, a, you know, luxury tax and things of that nature that were being discussed before the pandemic. So that's a message that we're also uh, clearly uh, conveying to, to the government. And then uh, the third one is is in, in the work with the government is, is uh, the scrappage program that we're proposing as an industry. So this is not only, you know, uh, us as, as, as a dealer association on behalf of our members, but also all the manufacturers and their associations were suggesting uh, uh, to the government as one of their uh, economic recovery activities, a scrappage program, whereby if you scrap a vehicle that's 10 years or older, you get a, a credit of, let's call it three to $4,000, if you then buy a newer vehicle that's zero to two years old. Um, and uh, so that's uh, the, the third topic that we're, that we're pushing ahead with, with the government. And also top of mind with our dealers, uh, more than, than usual uh, right now, is uh, also uh, the work that we're continuing to do with OEMs, with the manufacturers, on ensuring that they provide uh, the dealers with a necessary r relief in this difficult situation uh, and are also flexible with their be it target programs or facility programs in, in this pandemic, right? I, I wanted to talk to you about that because we have no idea how many consumers in a post-COVID world still want to buy a new vehicle in person in a dealership. So I'm curious, should those automakers be moving forward with demands for pricey brick-and-mortar updates or showroom uh, upgrades. Is, is now the time to do that? I just wonder what your dealers are saying. A clear answer, no. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that. Um, um, so, I mean, you know, in, in certain manufacturers in the past that they were expanding their model lineup, we're saying, hey, we're now going to have, you know, not 10 models, but we're going to have 17. You should expand mm -hmm. your showroom. Now, if they're going back from 17 back to eight models, well, shouldn't the inverse be true also? That's you know sort of the first thing. The second piece of it is is is, is the pandemic has shown very clearly that the where investment is 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 required is in the processes and the systems, the IT, the online uh, a transaction world, digital transactions, etc. That's where the investment needs to be and and can really deliver value added to the customer, not necessarily whether the the tile on the floor. Is, is two shades darker or lighter on the Pantone <laughs> color uh, scale of colors, right? Right. Um, 
So, yeah. But beyond that, obviously, the, the, the top of mind right now, quite frankly, with dealers is, is the supply situation. I wanted to get um, to that. What, what is the inventory situation like right now? Can you paint me that picture? It is extremely tight. Um, across the board and, and now, you know, in the meantime, by pretty much all brands, right? There, there was a bit of a delay on the, on the issue, uh, the shortage, depending on how long your supply, uh, lines into Canada were. Um, you know, if, if vehicles were coming from overseas, uh, that, uh, you know, supply chain obviously is longer and then therefore you didn't feel it in the marketplace until, you know, started to feel it until now versus domestic uh, manufacturers, they started to feel it almost immediately. So, right. but you know that's being filled. Plus, in addition to that, then the the the, the still uh, effects of the pandemic throughout the supply chains uh, across the world. So inventory is extremely tight across the board. Um, uh, you know that the only the only silver lining, if you want to call it, is is that you know this is happening at, at not necessarily the peak selling season in Canada, yeah. Um, but uh, you know the peak selling season is is coming. It's in almost months, here. So it's almost it's here. Almost here. It's almost here. So, do, do you see this sorting out before then, or or are we in this? You know, does this inventory shortage span into July and August? It seems to be going in that direction from the information and intelligence we're getting from the manufacturers and and suppliers. Uh, now, there's obviously a, a huge uh, international focus on this, um, including on the on the political side of governments around the world, right, uh, including the Canadian government and, and the U.S. government. So um, there's uh, relief will probably be coming, but uh, is it going to be in time for, you know, the summer? Um, very difficult to predict at this point, but it's it's it, it is uh, troublesome. Yeah. So in that situation, obviously, you know, we would hope also that uh, it is clear to to manufacturers that any sort of target setting and you know volume target setting that they have with dealers uh, is out the window, right? Well, that's a good point. If you don't have the vehicles to sell, you can't make the target, can you? Correct, correct. And then even if they do become available, you can't make up for it in you know the last three or four right. months of the year. That's just not going to happen, right? Um, we've heard rumblings that the federal government is going to follow the provincial governments of BC and Quebec and governments of, of European countries for that matter, and implement a stronger zero emissions vehicle mandate, maybe even an all out ban on sales of new vehicles equipped with the traditional internal combustion engine. Do you expect the federal government to implement such a policy? I just wonder what you think might be coming. So we are in, in intensive discussions with uh, different uh, government of officials and entities uh, on this, um, and it is in, it is quite interesting to see that on the one hand side you uh, you have governments around the world um, and certain provincial governments in Canada sort of start to go ahead with certain restrictions, uh, and then on the other hand you have manufacturers uh, starting to also make. Uh, public announcements about their uh, strategies that you know normally they might have not done in the past of you know what that their timelines are, and those are starting to align when you look at it, right? Uh, when you have uh, you know I don't talk about specific brands, but you've seen the announcements of brands saying we're going to be full electric by X Y Z. Yeah, almost uh, weekly. You see that 
Right. Those those timelines start to align also with what governments are 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 saying and talking about. What we're trying to do as an industry, and this is not just us as 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 as, as an association on behalf of our dealer members, but also together with the manufacturers, are trying to to make clear to to the Canadian government and the provincial governments is uh, that uh, you know trying to come at this from from the sort of force the supply side uh, is probably not the best strategy. That the best strategy is probably to look at it from the demand side. And when you see you know uh, provinces and jurisdictions around the world where the the right incentive measures are put in place, the the the, the move to electric vehicles, for example, happens much quicker uh, than if you mandate something. Um, the second piece is it's it's a bit difficult uh, to look at a, a a federal mandate in the sense that you know customers don't necessarily in in every single part of the country want or require the same thing. Uh, if you're in a rural setting, you know even within a province like you know like Quebec, if you're in a in a, in a provincial area in a rural area or in the main city, what you want as a consumer and what you need as a consumer, right, as a customer is is very different, uh, and uh, treating those those customers uh, sort of the same as you now have to, um, you know, is difficult. Or if you go to you know, let's say Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, uh, you know, if you're in a more rural area, you need a pickup. You you not just want one; you actually need one, right, for yep. um, your business, your lifestyle, etc. Um, and you know that is sort of. And, and you know it's not going to help if if you're forced to now buy a hatchback. It just doesn't work, right? <laughs> well, if the government mandates you to it mandates the all EV sales, but but an automaker doesn't make an electric pickup, that really puts those people in rural Alberta and rural Quebec in in a very tough spot, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. So those things sort of need to start aligning. They are starting to 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 be aligned, but in that it's it's so difficult and. And you know, as I, I would imagine, the manufacturers, the uh, what they wouldn't like is necessarily a patchwork of of provincial uh, legislations that are very different, right? Um, you know, uh, so that's also sort of the flip side of that. That if you then end up with you know each province doing something completely different, it is then very difficult for the manufacturers, understandably so, to manage their supply side. I want to end on this. Where do you think sales go this year? I mean, I, obviously, 1.9, 2 million vehicles, probably out of the question. What do you see moving forward over the next um, uh, 10 months of the year? Do, do we see an increase? Do we see a, a rebound back to normal? What, what do you think we end up selling at the end of the year? Um, we haven't officially published yet our, our um, uh, market forecast update, but I can sort of already... Um, give you the headline on it, sure. which is basically uh, uh, we expect the market to be flat this year, um, in the sense that we're we're dealing right now with uh, a, a difficult supply situation, which again in in January and February has has led to market decreases. I mean, you saw the January numbers, and, and February are not going to be prettier than that. So we have that. Plus, uh, we have a quite frankly. Uh, Sorry, no, no, no better word for this, but disastrous uh, vaccine rollout uh, in Canada, uh, which was one of the factors that 
everybody, and not just us, uh, was considering as one of the potential, you know, strong economic recovery factors was, you know, if we get, you know, vaccines into into people's arms on time, you're you're going to start, you know, by summer and second half of the year, you're going to start seeing, you know, uh, businesses being able to fully reopen things of that nature, and therefore economic activity picking up, which then has an effect on the the, the vehicle market itself. And right now. Uh, that doesn't seem like it's it's going to happen in any orderly fashion for the next uh, quite a few months. So, with that in mind, uh, we will be you know publishing soon our, our revised forecast, which which sees a, a flat market for this year. Tim, great conversation, great insight. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for joining me on the show this week. Thanks, Greg. All the best. We reached Tim in Ottawa. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment. Email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the Canada Conversations tab at the top of the page. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.